Hello everyone and welcome to Behold, the podcast where we try to answer once and for all, what is the best comic book adaptation? Yes, be it movie or TV show, we'll watch it and rank it until we have our definitive number one. Who is we? Well, I'm your host Andrew, and as per usual, I'm joined by my co-host Mick. Hello! So, how are you doing today, Mick? Oh, you know, it's just a normal day, saving the podcast from the scum of the universe. Exactly, because yes, it is time to suit up and pull out our noisy crickets as we behold Men in Black. So yes, today we are talking about the 1997 film, directed by Barry Sonnenfeld, uh, written by Ed Solomon, and based on the comics by Lowell Cunningham and Sandy Carruthers, which sounds very much like an old-timey insult. It does, doesn't it? So, Mick, the comics, they are, as as the film would like to have us believe, technically a Marvel publication. Yeah. Um, by which I mean they were published by the company Aircell, who were then bought by Malibu Comics, who were then bought by Marvel. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I've never read a many black comic ever. Unusually, I've not even gone back and read a many black comic after the films. Well, that's what the question is, though. Have you never read a Men in Black comic? Or have you read Men in Black comics? But then immediately had the memory wiped away? Well, if that was the case, it'd still be the same effect, wouldn't it? I would still sit here and say, I have never read a Men in Black comic. Yeah, but with with the second one, you can have more red string dotted throughout your room as you try and connect all the different webs of this vast conspiracy. There's a, there's a global pandemic on. How much red string do you think I can fit in my room? Actually, that's true. It's probably been brought up with all the pasta and toilet rolls. Yeah. Well, so, something's anyway. got to hold that toilet roll tower together. I've read, I think the first issue of Men in Black and it was fine. <laughs> well, high praise indeed. It's it's very much the kind of thing that I think you'd expect to pop up in like a a 2000 AD issue maybe. And like it wouldn't be, you know, like the reason you're buying the issue. It's, it's not going to be like a Judge Dredd or a, a Strontium Dog or anything like well, that. But it's a good backup It's going to be... Yeah, exactly. It'll be one of the backup strips and you'll kind of really go, oh yeah, that, that was fairly neat. Almost like a future it's, shock. Yeah, yeah, it is almost yeah, like a future shock kind of thing. Right? Like you expect to see it in the issue. But I mean, if, if it wasn't there for any reason, you wouldn't be heartbroken. Alright. But it's, yeah, it's... I think the main thing with the comic um, is that it's like tonally very different to the film. Like it's much more in keeping with the idea of the, the Men in Black being like this sinister government agency trying to keep all these things. And it's also, it's not just aliens, it's like demonic cults and vampires and werewolves and things like that as well. 
and yeah. the men in black are just trying to like keep that all secret from the uh, the unsuspecting public. Because yeah, that's that's one of the things that's weird for me about Men in Black. I'd, I'd, I, it might, this may come across sounding silly because, because I am a silly man. <laughs> finally! Finally he admits it. But it is weird for me to think of the idea that, yeah, the Men in Black, like, they're a concept that exists independent of this film series. Like, there, there, there was a time when you would say men in black and people would say, think, oh yeah, you know, government agents driving around in their black vans scooping up anyone who's seen an alien rather than just, oh yeah, you mean like Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones? Yeah. Because for me, just this, this is so ingrained in like my memory is, yes, this is what the men in black is. It's a fun film franchise. Yeah, and I guess now if, if, if they sort of came out with a another volume of Men in Black, people would expect it to be J and K rather than um as as seen in the films rather than a continuation of the comics. So that the comic yeah. becomes the adaptation. Wow, that's like looking in the mirror, but who's the reflection? Oh that's that's two episodes on the trot where we've done meta, beyond meta. I know. Well, that's what happens, Mick, when you go from boys to men in black. I thought I wasn't going to chance to do it on the actual episode itself. No, no. I apologise, audience. But I do. Also, I need to point out for the audience, we're recording both this and the previous episode on the same day. In a way that was set up specifically so that I could make that joke. And and I've got no control because he edits the episodes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, listeners. But yeah, you know, I, I was gonna say this isn't how I would have expected to go completely mad with power. But it is. It is it's, it's absolutely it's exactly what I knew was gonna it was happen. Written in the stars. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, speaking of stars, it's time for our synopsis. Oh, can I do this one? Yeah, go ahead, saves me a job. I mean, so, I, did, I did, you know, spend a while making notes, but no, no, you go ahead. Well, you do your synopsis instead. Let me do my synopsis, and then if you don't like it, we can go back and do yours. Okay, go All ahead. Right. Okay, so, Men in Black, 1997. Disgraced superhero Hancock meets up with Two-Face, who then join a government agency and fight uh, Kingpin from the Daredevil show. How's that? Technically correct. Hey! Shall I elaborate slightly further, though? Oh, go on. I, I, I thought I'd be succinct. And to the point. Yeah, but also we do have about, like, 40 minutes of a show to fill. Okay. So, spoilers. And much like with the boys episode, I will just be going through the whole film. So, we begin. 
After chasing down a suspiciously non-human suspect, NYPD officer James Durrell Edwards III, Will Smith, is approached by the mysterious Agent K, Tommy Lee Jones. Mick, pop quiz, what does NYPD stand for? New York Police Department. Um, no, I think you're fine. It stands for knock your punk ass down. Ah. That is one of many great lines in Men in Black. (laughs) Anyway, Kay explains that James's suspect was one of several thousand aliens currently seeking asylum on Earth, and that his organisation, the Men in Black, are responsible for monitoring them and keeping their existence hidden from the general public. Kay has also just recently retired his former partner, and is now looking for a replacement. He gives James his card, and after a series of tests, he is inducted to the MIB. Removing all traces of his former identity, he is now known only as Agent J. Also, side note that I've just discovered, it certainly works really well writing MIB as an abbreviation for your notes. It is just as, if not more complicated to say, as Men in Black. (laughs) Meanwhile, a flying saucer crashes on a farm in upstate New York. The bug-like alien inside kills the farmer Edgar, Vincent D'Onofrio, and uses his body as a disguise. The bug then kills the disguised prince of the planet Arquilia, and begins to search for the gem that the prince had hidden on Earth. The gem has the potential to spark an intergalactic war that would keep the bug's race fed for hundreds of years. Jay and Kay are tasked by their boss Zed, Rip Torn, to investigate the murder, find the bug, and stop whatever he's up to. However, all they have to go on is the Arquilian Prince's final words, To stop war, the galaxy is on Orion's belt. Uh, Scans of that constellation yield nothing, but the agents catch a break when they cross paths with medical examiner Laurel Weaver, Linda Fiorentino. After autopsying the prince's body, Laurel has been looking after his cat. His cat named Orion. His cat named Orion, who has a belt. His cat named Orion, who has a belt, on which is a gem containing an entire galaxy. Uh, J&K realised this but are too late to stop Laurel and the galaxy from being abducted by the bug. With only an hour to go before the Aquilians cut their losses and destroy Earth, they chase the bug to the World's Fair, secretly the hiding spot for the first flying saucers the Men in Black encountered. J and K are able to stop the bug escaping with their impressively gigantic guns, and, with a little help from Laurel, are able to kill the bug, retrieve the galaxy, and save Earth from destruction. It's a bittersweet ending, though, as after the mission, Kay reveals to Jay that rather than training him as a replacement, he was in fact training him as a... Nope, messed that up. Yep. You had one job. It's not my fault. It's it's so much synopsizing. (laughs) You see, my way, better. So, the ending is bittersweet, though, as after the mission, Kay reveals to Jay that rather than training him as a partner, he was training him as a replacement, and asks Jay to use his new realizer to erase Kay's memories so that he can return to his old life as Kevin Edwards. And that's even the way round I've got it written. 
It's just as I was reading it the first time about, nope, that's the wrong way around. You want to say replacement instead of partner. <laughs> anyway, Laurel then joins the men in black as Agent L, and her and Jay go on to have a bunch of adventures. Presumably because Linda Fiorentino was not available for the sequel. I've got a problem with the MIB's recruitment policy. Go ahead. So, Agent K is Agent K and his first name is Kevin. Right? Agent J has a first name of James and then Laurel Weaver joins as Agent L. Now, I think it's fair to say, from the way they recruit J, that you need a quite specific set of capabilities to join the Men in Black. So I think by narrowing it down, so what if what if the next person who comes along who fulfills all the um, specialist criteria also has a name that begins, but with a letter that they haven't got a vacancy for? I mean, how many Agent X's have there possibly been? Because, let's face it, to have a first name that begins with X and have the specialist skills required for a Men in Black role, that's a very, very small Venn diagram. It is. Also, to answer your rhetorical question, one, and he was an alien from the cartoon series. Zed, then. Well, I mean, I think you can only really have one Zed, can't you? Well, yeah. But look, I, I, I would be not truthful if I did not admit that, yes, that also bugs me a little bit. <laughs> because it, it does look like they've got more than, like, 26, 26 agents. odd agents, yeah. So what do they do? Do they have, like, one who's, like, Agent J2? Or <laughs> do they have, like, Agent Epsilon. Maybe that's it. Maybe uh, maybe these are just the American MIBs. There's 26 to cover America, 26 to cover all the other English-speaking countries, and then they use the Cyrillic alphabet in uh, Russia, the Greek alphabet in, in Greece. I mean, China probably is oversubscribed with MIB agents. Yeah, um, it does seem like a weird policy to base the entire like number of employees in your organisation just on how many available letters there are in your alphabet. Yeah. Unless they'd like bulk it up with like some alien alphabets or something. Yeah, I suppose. Like, is there oh, an oh. agent flap? Oh, 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 do they pad it out with maybe uh, punctuation marks? So there's an agent comma out there somewhere. Oh, I, I would definitely agent want to sign up as an agent. Oh, can I be agent in Terrorbang? <laughs> well, shall we talk about the film now? <laughs> I mean, I guess we should at some point, shouldn't we? Policy. 
So I am interested to know, Mick, what did you think of Men in Black? Well, the first time I saw it, I thought it was hilarious and it was um, a fine spoof on that whole sort of alien uh, invasion type thing. And it was also the first time that I thought a car was cooler than the Batmobile in a film. It is a very cool car. <laughs> and uh, it it it's weird the way it the way it works. So there are a lot of bits and pieces in here that pay off the first time you watch it, and by the second time you watch it, or third, or whatever subsequent viewing it is, you start to think, "Oh, you were really trying hard there, weren't you?" And um, I think the um, the cat is on Orion's belt. Uh, the, the galaxy is on Orion's belt is is an example of that because all the links to Orion, it's the same level of convenience as oh we need an Agent J. Hey, there's a cop called James who's quite athletic. <laughs> it's that level of convenience, and also who calls a cat's collar a belt? Presumably Americans in the same way that they call a tapper faucet and a pavement a sidewalk. But do they? Do they call cat collars belts? I don't know. Yeah, I I do not I do not have any evidence to support either claim. <laughs> which I know I'm sorry I have failed in my one duty as a podcast host. Which is to I know should, whether or I not Americans do... call a cat collar a belt. Right. You buy some time. I'll just uh, do some research. Okay. Finally, the, the opportunity for me to burst into the freestyle rap that I've written for the end of our podcast. Oh no. God help us. No. I, I think even to attempt it would be some kind of crime. Yeah. Right. The internet tells me that Americans call cat collars collars. So the entire premise of Men in Black is based on a false premise. So uh, it's rubbish and let's uh, let's give uh, 30 Days a Night a bit of a reprieve. Well, that is a shame. But yeah, I, I guess <laughs> if you wanted the top spot, Men in Black should have done your research. <laughs> Yes, if you... <laughs> Cars that can drive upside ago. down and aliens I can accept. But having the <laughs> wrong name for a cat collar is unforgivable. Uh, and, and, and the thing is, it's quite clearly something that they've had to do to make that plot point work because the, the mystery wouldn't have held up if they said the galaxy is on Orion's collar. Yes, with that not being the name of a famous constellation. Exactly. But I would argue, though, that that's... I mean, I guess not like a niggle, but I feel like Men in Black is, is less about like strict adherence to plots than it is just about being an incredibly fun buddy cop film. 
It is. It, it's it's a buddy cop movie with uh, aliens in, and it, uh, it it's not designed to stand up to scrutiny. It's you know, it's not a. This was not an Oscar grab. Let's be honest. Yeah, it's also. I think it is one of those things that I feel like we've maybe got too into with like the cinema sin style of film criticism is. I mean, you, you don't have to pick apart a film trying to find like every single point wrong with it. It's like, are you sat there having a fun time while you're watching it? Then the yeah. film has done its job. And, that, and that's the thing. You know, when I... I'm just trying to think now. Did I go see Men in Black at the cinema back in the day or did I wait for its release on home video? Do you remember that? When you had to sit and wait for a film to be released on video? Um... I mean, very vaguely. My main memory with, with Men in Black is being in hospital after a back operation and insisting to my parents that the only way I could possibly ever fully recover is if they did buy me the bug action figure with <laughs> Edgar <laughs> and a slimy little Agent K. <laughs> Because yes, that's that's kind of the big thing for me with Men in Black is kind of also why I was mainly interested in your opinions is that I I just cannot be objective about this film in any way, shape or form because I did watch it at a young enough age where it's just hugely ingrained as just one of my big childhood favourites. Yeah, and I like... You know, when, when I went to see it, I was what... The right side of 30, just. And it was an enjoyable space run. And I think around that time, um, sort of over the decade, there'd been a few humorous sort of buddy cop movies. But very few of them were funny on this level. Because there's so many background details on this that add to the whole thing. Um, and it's such a nice idea that some everyday things that you go past are actually disguised alien spaceships or uh, they've got the new New York World's Fair um, where there's a sculpture that is disguised as which is two real flying saucers disguised is a plot point in the movie. Yeah, and I think um, you've, you've got the one bit where it's just kind of, it's an absolute classic gag setup of them walking to the street vendor and Jay seeing like the very gaunt, like long it, head, it, dead eyes. It almost looks like riffraff. Yes, and just going, Riffraff out of Rocky Horror. Just going, well, he's definitely an alien. And then Kay starts talking to his dog, who is the actual yeah. alien. Yeah, Frank the Pug. Frank the Pug. <laughs> and it is. It, it, yes, you you could go around and you could pick apart the detail in the plot as I just did, but the point is, it's one of those films that's it's not made to be watched and rewatched and for you to understand it on every single level. It's made for you to sit there for ninety eight minutes and just have a rollicking good time. And I think on that it scores. If you try and 
if you try and read too much into it, or if it had tried to put too much more into it, um, it it wouldn't be as enjoyable. Um, and I think I think that's possibly because I find that the the franchise that this launched has been a law of diminishing returns. Um, I don't think I don't think any of the sequels have managed to attain the level of just pure enjoyment that this one did because I think they've tried to go too deep with the characters. They've tried to make it too much of a film film rather than just a an adventure comedy. Yeah, exactly. Because that is kind of the big strength of Men in Black, isn't it? Is that everything this film needs to do, it does. And like, it gives you just enough. Like, you get what the world is. You understand. Yeah. You know who all the characters are without necessarily having to spend like thirty minutes on their backstory. Yeah. And like, manages to deliver on the comedy and the big action in a very brisk ninety-eight minutes. Yeah. Almost like. You can do a big summer blockbuster film without making it two and a half hours long. Yes, it's almost exactly like that. Um, and I'm just trying to think. So the last one in the uh, franchise was the one that I was really looking forward to, um, which is still just shy of two hours long. But I was really looking forward to seeing. Thor and Valkyrie as MIB International. I thought that was going to be a return to form for the Men in Black fan, uh, franchise. And it, it really wasn't. Yeah, I don't know, I've heard that's not a great film. No. Yeah. But I think as well, if you look at like the people who made this film, it's like a real who's who of like top 90s talent like you've got barry sonnenfeld who did like yeah. the adams family movies and a load of cinematography stuff for the coens who yeah i think after this decided actually he was sick of being a good filmmaker and was just going to make trash instead <laughs> then you've you've got i think uh, it was ed solomon wasn't it yeah, you've got Ed Solomon, who also wrote the Bill and Ted movies, which are, again, like, incredibly fun, zany action comedies. You've got, like, Danny Elfman doing the music, Steven Spielberg producing it. Yeah, I, I think, I think in, in fairness, uh, between 1989 and 1999, every film by law had to have music done by Danny, Hel uh, Danny Elfman. Yes, I, I will not disagree. It is weird. Because first of all, I, I love the Men in Black theme tune. But it's also weird going back and listening to it now and just realising how much the dun, 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 dun. It's just, that's every single Danny Elfman soundtrack ever. Yeah. It, every, every film you watch is actually Batman. If it's got a Danny Elfman soundtrack, it's actually Batman. Just in a slightly different order with the notes. They dress in black. They've got a cool car. Lots of fancy gadgets. 
Oh my god, it's just a, an extension of the Batman franchise. It is. Everything is Batman. That'd be a great name for a new podcast, wouldn't it? That's what we probably just explain how every single thing is actually just Batman. Yeah, we take every film ever made and explain how it's just Batman. Well, I'm very excited for the, the Little Women episode. <laughs> oh, well, that'll be the Harley Quinn spin-off. I mean, I, th- I think it's got legs. <laughs> and do you know what else has legs? Batman! <laughs> God, that's. I can see it now. In years to come, you and me stepping up to win the most tenuous podcast of the year award. At the at the the podcast of the year awards that they they will have by then. Well, they'll have to because no one's making any films or TV at the moment because of COVID. So they'll have to give awards for something. God, that's it. That's the real endpoint of Brexit. Well done, Boris. Thanks to you, <laughs> now we have to get awards for ranting about how everything is secretly a Batman property. <laughs> Draws it even more ridiculous than everything secretly being Batman. What? Will Smith's outfits before he joins the Men in Black. Well, I mean, that's just um, Will Smith, isn't it? Yeah, it does feel a lot like he just brought his own wardrobe. Especially... This this, this is basically... Agent J is basically the fresh prince of the NYPD. I think my favourite is the one he's wearing in the first scene when he's chasing the alien down. And it just looks like he's wearing a prison jumpsuit. Yeah. It was a different time back then, wasn't it? It is. Also, I don't know. I guess if I am being charitable, and why not, because I do love this film, I will say it's maybe supposed to highlight the difference between his old life and once he joins the Men in Black, and he then switches to just a very standard, inconspicuous black suit. Yeah. Which, of course, leads to the great line, I make this work. Yes, there. Do you know what the difference is between you and me? I make this look good. <laughs> Which is just... I mean, that is... that is. If you wanted to sum up 90s Will Smith in a single line, it's that, isn't it? It is. Yeah, yeah that's also... It's actually also one of the, the little fun things about Men in Black is apparently... Most of the lines were just ad-libbed by Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith. Yeah, well, I, I think they had a lot of problems casting this, didn't they? I mean, some of the alternatives... Yeah, I know, I think they wanted, like, Clint Eastwood as Kay originally, didn't they? Yeah, and uh, David Swimmer turned down the part of uh, Jay, as did Chris O'Donnell. Because, and he, here's here's another clue to our spin-off podcast, Chris O'Donnell 
turned the role down because he found it too similar to Dick Grayson, who he'd already played in the two previous instalments of Batman. My God, we've done We genuinely found a conspiracy for our podcast based around a film around a conspiracy theory. And it's not the conspiracy theory I ever thought we would have found. (laughs) I mean, does this mean that when we get round to it, like, we have to make Tim Burton's first Batman film just the number one? Because everything else is just Batman, Batman, but less so. Yes. Which, oh, no. Oh, no. No, technically, technically we have to do that with Batman 66. But no, it's worth it. Do you know what it means we've done, Mick? What? We've accidentally ended the show. Because we've done it, we found the definitive number one. <laughs> it's Batman 66 because everything is Batman. <laughs> oh, 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 no, 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 no. I found a way out. It's not Batman 66. It's Batman 47. Was it 47? The black and white one. Oh, what? Like the black and white movie serial that they made? Yes. Oh, no, it is. No, it's okay. It's fine. Just, um, if all the audience just want to look into the red light for a moment. (laughs) Anyway, I think I have one last important point that I need to bring up before we can rank this film. Okay. There's so much slime in this movie. There is a lot of slime. I mean, this makes Ghostbusters look almost slime-free. It is. And yeah, I think that that is also maybe the less jokey point, is that this film kind of is like just the third Ghostbusters film, isn't it? Yes. Or at least like the logical successor to that franchise. Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, it's possibly why the various attempts to get another um, entry in the Ghostbusters franchise failed during the sort of 90s and early noughties because people were going, ah, it's, it's a bit too similar to, to this one and this one's making money, so we'll we'll stick with it. Yeah, because yeah, I think that, that can be a very Hollywood attitude, can't it, of just... Yeah. Well, no, we don't need this thing anymore. We've got this new thing. Yeah, well, that's the thing, isn't it? With Hollywood, it can go one or two ways, can't it? They'll either go, oh, this is a good idea. Let's make lots of it. Because um, you had that yeah. period but where also- every, every buddy movie that came out was about a man and his dog. Yes, because they also play it's let's make lots of it but also completely misunderstand what makes the popular film popular. Yeah. Um, 
So you've got that um, element to it. Um, or they'll go, ah, no, we've, we've got one thing making money and we wouldn't want anything to get in the way of that thing making money, so can you not do your thing? Yes, it's been done. We can't have more than one of it. Yeah. I mean, people going to watch two films. What what kind of crazy world are you living in? Yeah. And, and of course, you can almost... You can almost understand that back in the day when um, Men in Black was around because going to the pictures was an event for a lot of people and it wasn't like today where you've got these unlimited passes and things like that. Every visit to the cinema was a cost. Whereas now, I mean, you can get yourself a an unlimited card for some of the bigger chains and it it it's like a tenner a pop to go see a film if you go see two a month. I think I worked out when I had my unlimited card that I need I needed to go see two films a month for it to break even. And then the Marvel Cinematic Universe came along. So that was easy. <laughs> yes, now suddenly, like it becomes a, oh no, I've got to find two films a month to watch. To, but which two films this month should yeah. I go see? <laughs> too many films, not enough time. And then we have 2020. Yes. Oh. Actually, was that, was that it, Mick? Did you find a monkey's paw and wish, gosh, I. I wish there weren't so many films all coming out at the same time. <laughs> no, no, I'm afraid not. But, do you remember that time when we were covering Shazam and you cursed my shower? I do remember that time we were covering Shazam and I cursed your shower. Right, well, that shower has been replaced with a Shazam-proof one. Because we've now said it three times and it's still on the wall. Right. Uh, maybe it was the replacement of the shower, which was during the first lockdown that has cursed us to this dearth of stuff. Ah, uh, yes, it's it's a well-known fault in the shower industry, is you can either have not having a horrible virus or not having it fall down as soon as someone yells the word Shazam, but you can't <laughs> have both. <laughs> So, anyway, shall we rank Men in Black? I think we should. Um, so, yeah, this is going on our list of 1 to 30 now, with Road to Perdition at number 1, 30 Days of Night down at the bottom. Uh, so, see, unforgivable yeah. mistakes about co cat collars aside, where about <laughs> do you think it should go? Uh, I I'm almost loath to add another one to the list because there's a lovely shorthand to having number 30, 30 Days of Night. Oh, it is. Oh. Oh, see, we shouldn't have recorded back to back because now we're losing out on this this lovely coincidence so soon. <laughs> I mean, you know, maybe we should put Men in Black below 30 Days of Night just so it stays at <laughs> just, number 30. Yeah. 
<laughs> so, um, I mean, I, I, from what you've told me about the comics, it doesn't seem like it's a great adaptation of the comics. Yes, I think it definitely like goes in a much lighter direction, which I think is more understandable because yeah. it's quite hard to make a like family-friendly blockbuster about an organization that will like wipe out any witnesses to alien events. So I think I think from that point of view, from the definition of our our aim, it, it's probably not top ten material. Uh, it's not a rip roaring. That no, it's sorry. It is a rip roaring buddy comedy with a lot of funny moments and some cool gadgets, and therefore, as a Batman spin-off, is uh, not in the bottom ten. So I think it's definitely somewhere in the middle, and I would say upper middle. Yeah, I would say okay. So if we look kind of towards the end of the top 10 then. So at number 9 we've got Crisis on Infinite Earths. Number 10 we've got Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1. Number 11 we've got Birds of Prey and number 12 we've got Iron Man. Right. It's definitely above Iron Man. I would watch this again before I'd watch Iron Man. Again. Yeah, definitely. I mean, to be honest, if it was just me personally going off how much I enjoy this film... I'd probably put it around like seven or eight, maybe, uh, maybe probably below Watchmen. But as you say, as the remit of the ghost sh- show goes, but we do need to knock some points off for uh, lack of faithfulness to the the original source material. But again, in terms of rewatchability, I would watch this ahead of the Watchmen TV show. What if we did put it as number eight, though? So just below Umbrella Academy season two. That sounds good to me. Hurrah. So that is Men in Black. And that is our new number eight. And now the bottom of the list sounds like some sort of crazy countdown. 31. 30 Days of Night. Oh my god, it is. What have we done? (laughs) We've broken the list. I still think we should have a Division 2. Or just like the 30 Days of Night corner, where 30 Days of Night goes. (laughs) Just have a separate link for it. Is. You know, I am almost tempted because I feel things like that, Captain America and Hulk. It's probably going to be a while before we watch something worse than those, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's fair to say. Maybe we have, maybe we have a sort of behold equivalent of Room One Hundred One. Where we have a box of offcuts 
that don't actually get rated. They're just not worthy of being in the main list. Maybe. Because I do feel like we do already have kind of a tier system in that, like, oh, oh, I shouldn't have said tier system. Should have no. a different word. I mean, the last thing we want is another tier system. Divisions. I feel like we have three, like, distinct divisions, which is, like, one, two, about 23 at the moment, is stuff that's, like, varying degrees of good. Yeah. Then, kind of, 24, which is where, like, lock and key is, to, I think, Edge of Tomorrow, which are kind of more the... These these are not these are like definitively not good, but competent films and TVs. Yeah, <laughs> and then we've got Hulk, Captain America, and Thirty Days of Night, where they are, they are just stinkers. <laughs> and even then, the gap between Captain America and Thirty Days of Night is a fairly considerable one. <laughs> More of a chasm. At least, at least Captain America has like entertainment value, <laughs> and a rubber. And again, yeah, and again, it's not two and a half hours long. True. But anyway, we shall we shall find out next time if maybe something can take the the dubious honor of being our new thirty one. <laughs> or, or I guess 32 by that point yeah <laughs> that's about it from us for this week so if you would like to listen to more you can find all our episodes on the feed or wherever you get your podcasts and if you do subscribe to the show you'll make sure you never miss an episode uh, if you do want to get in touch our email is beholdpod at gmail.com or you can follow us on twitter at beholdpod uh, and if you are a fan, we'd really appreciate it if you did leave us a review just on your podcast app of choice or recommended us to a friend. It's uh, the best way for us to grow as a show and reach new listeners. So uh, that's everything. Oh, yeah, mate. I was just going to add, and if you didn't enjoy the show, would you just like to look this way? Look at the red light. Thank you. Well, now as far as you know, that's everything. So, I've been Andrew. And I've been Mick. So long, and thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.